Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today we are discussing the new Koganata film, After Yang. Later on, we're talking about the only Best Picture nominee we haven't visited yet, the wonderful Drive My Car. But first, of course, our weekly watch list. Matt, what have you been watching this week? Besides After Yang and Drive My Car, I did watch a couple of films that I, one I enjoyed, one I did not enjoy as much. The one I enjoyed was Titan. I finally got a chance to see that. Yeah. And what a ride that movie is. Wow. Like, that is just like a modern classic. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. It's it The way it, like, goes from being a straight-up just, like, body horror picture to being, like, like you guys, I think one of you guys put it as, like, an endearing family drama by the end. But also keeping the horror elements in place, it's just like it's such a roller coaster ride of events, and I I, tr- I truly believe the less that someone knows about the plot of the movie going into it, the better. I agree. But, um, it's just fantastic, fantastic acting, fantastic direction by Julia DeCarno. Definitely should have been at least nodded. For an international feature Oscar. So it was robbed, I say. But you know what was not robbed? Fresh. Fresh. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Fresh. The new Sebastian Stan, Daisy Edgar Jones horror film on Hulu. I, I, I say horror in quotation because there really wasn't a lot of horrific elements to it, first of all. It definitely was not as fresh as it wanted to be. Um, just kind of a f- generic, forgettable suspense thriller story. Um, the plot, some of the plot points were pretty inconsistent, especially when it got to the point where he started taking body parts away, quote, and then in the next scene, the actresses had, it acted like nothing happened, basically, and um, among other things, it was just very, a, a head-scratching one for sure, and what... It fascinates me that so many people enjoyed it as much as I've been seeing. Tyler, what have you been watching? Aside from these two movies, I didn't really have that much time to watch too much this week. All right, well, I can say I also watched Fresh. Uh, this is directed by Mimi Cave, written by Lauren Kahn. I am in accordance with Matt. I don't like this movie at all. It had a decent concept, uh, the dialogue is really rough, and I think at certain times it's trying to be like self-aware with how bad the dialogue is, but frankly, it just it veers too far into the territory of this dialogue is actually bad, and it's just like uncomfortable, and I don't like it. It just really isn't that interesting for a movie about a man who sells human flesh to the world's elite. Should have been at least more fascinating than this, to me at least. A lot of great setups that don't really deliver. It also misuses Perfect Day. A Song I Love by Lou Reed. Uh, and they don't even use his recording. I hate it when movies do that. I think a lot of people would like this. So, I don't know. Don't let my opinion discourage you completely. But I was I was expecting to at least be entertained by this. And I was not. A movie I was entertained by. And I was a little surprised by this too. I watched The Adam Project. 
This is the Netflix project. It's about a time traveler who teams up with his 12-year-old self and his deceased father to save the world from a dismal future. It's directed by Sean Levy, written by Jonathan Tropper, T.S. Nowlin, Jennifer Flackett, and Mark Levin. Overall, I'm quite positive on this. I am in my ready-to-like Ryan Reynolds phase. I want to join Matt's team. And this was, a, this was a good first step towards that. It's an action-ish movie that has humor and some heart. The heartfelt moments are by far the most effective piece of this. There's some sweet stuff about family and holding on to meaningful things. The Ryan Reynolds humor and quippiness of this is still not something that I enjoy and may never. Um, and it's doubled up because we have both the adult and young version of Adam Reed, his character. The whole cast does a pretty good job, though. Walker Scoble plays the young Adam, and he does quite well. Overall, I enjoyed this. A couple of things. One, young Adam gets in a fight in the beginning of this movie, the very beginning. And his mom tells him, like, in all seriousness, that it's going to go on his permanent record. And I thought we were done with that. I thought that myth was over. Like, what <laughs> is the permanent record? I am an adult person. I'm a man who is a teacher, by the way, and I don't know what the, a permanent record is. I don't know what it is. I got my I got mine back at when we graduated. Did you guys not get yours? No. This is like a big manila folder full of like all the like report cards and stuff. Uh, I guess it, maybe they didn't want to give me mine. I've been too embarrassed. Last job I applied for, they're like, let's take a look at your permanent record. <laughs> like, oh dear. <laughs> It, the adult equivalent is just a background check. <laughs> yeah, it's a Corey check, yeah. Yeah. Um, the father's name in this, unless I'm mistaken, is Lewis Reed. So I'm not sure what the Lou Reed theme is. But if you're going to go with Lou Reed, then go with Lou Reed. Do it right. Also, Catherine Keener in this, doing a good job, as she always does. And they do a de-aged version of her, and it looks terrible. Like one of the worst things that I have seen on screen. I have very mixed feelings about this kind of technology in the first place. And, you know, maybe soon or maybe later down the line in cinema history, I could be completely wrong. But just cast another person to play younger Catherine Keener. I know Catherine Keener is irreplaceable, but it's a fictional we, movie. It's okay. We talked about this, Mike, yes. previously. And we're, we're watching a movie. We can suspend our disbelief to believe another actor is playing the same role. It's yes. okay. It's okay, studios. We'll buy into it. <laughs> no, I I don't want to halt. You never want to be the guy that like naysays the next big thing in movies. But at the current moment, I'm I'm very mixed on the de aging stuff, and I especially do not like it when they recreate someone who is deceased. I I really don't like that. Yeah, absolutely. Movie studios, stop that right now. <laughs> the, yeah. de the, the, the deceased actors, stop. Don't, don't bring them back with like, CGI. Please. It just feels so disrespectful. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just every time I see it, I'm like, ugh. Probably because the dead person can't consent to this role. <laughs> yeah. Like It's just really weird to just use them when they literally wouldn't... We don't know if they would have taken this role or what, or if they, to use their likeness, it's just bizarre. Well, to play devil's advocate here, I'm sure the estates probably, hopefully, well, except for Disney, who is making all their actors sign waivers before they take roles, um, I, I like to think that if, if, if at least the estates are okay with it, then fine. 
Yeah, it's better. I don't know if it's still not the best. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. Is but... this the Moral Dilemma Savers podcast now? I guess. Well, speaking of which, you guys ready to review after Yang? Well, I I did want to point out one little bit of movie news. Speaking okay. of Adam Project, Sean Levy, and Ryan Reynolds, I believe I read, I forget where I read it, that Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds are actually going to be teaming up on the next Deadpool movie when it ever comes out. Cool. Actually, I think I sent it to you guys. Because that... Didn't I? Isn't that when you were... Mike, that was when you were like, oh, is this a new De Niro Scorsese Oh, deal? yes, that's true. I'm sorry. I need yeah. Sean Levy, Ryan Reynolds. I usually have blinders for, so... <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Moral Dilemmas, um, the movie, After Yang. After Yang. So After Yang is about two parents who plunge into the past as they attempt to revive their adopted AI son. It was written and directed by Koganada, who had previously done... Some of you may know Columbus. This is based on the short story Saying Goodbye to Yang by Alexander Weinstein. And you can watch this in, I believe it's still in some select theaters, but it will it's more widely available on Showtime for anybody who has a subscription to that. Matt, what are your general thoughts? Would you recommend after Yang? So I, I really wanted to watch this movie again because I watched it the day it came out, and that was a couple weeks ago. I really wanted to make time to watch it again before I talk about it, but I wasn't able to, unfortunately. On my first watch, I it wasn't a bad movie. I, I'd say it was a very a very decent movie in a lot of ways, but I don't know if I just wasn't quite picking up on something during it either. Like, it didn't leave as much of an impression as I was expecting. I would say it's similar, yeah. Yeah. Like it, the acting was pretty well done by all parties involved. The directing was great. I did like the visuals, like sci-fi, almost like I I, I use the word twinkly, like sort of um, cosmic-looking visuals to it, if that makes sense. I um I I was in and out of investment with the story. Honestly, there were times that I was genuinely moved, which was pretty much every time that the daughter was on screen talking about Yang and that I was between being genuinely moved with those and kind of indifference toward a lot of like the progression of like, Oh, let's go to this person to fix him. Oh, let's go to this person to try to fix him. You know, it, it, I was in and out of it. It was kind of inconsistent. I felt like with the pacing mm-hmm. overall, I still recommend checking it out. It it was definitely a solid a solid three and a half on first watch but i do think that there's value and i'm sure i will think this once i actually see it again i think there will it's worth at least a watch uh, an extra watch because there are a lot of things especially as it gets toward the end that really when everything comes together it's like oh well i better go back and watch that with the new context of knowing how it all plays out yeah, I definitely had to do that. Tyler, what did you think? So I actually genuinely enjoyed this movie. I don't think it was the best movie I've ever seen. Um, I think it was good. Um, there were parts that I, like you said, Matt, like some of the fixing stuff, you know, kind of dragged a bit. But it was only an hour and a half long. So I didn't think anything really felt like um, like it was too long and took me out of it. Um, I really I really liked the performances. I think we're really good. Colin Farrell's just kind of like his progression through it of 
you remember, like the flashbacks of all the characters with Yang and such was moving to me. Um, and it really brings up this kind of uh, thing we've talked about before of like what, what like artificial intelligence, what makes humanity stuff like that. But I think it was an interesting twist to it. I think it was beautifully, a beautifully shot film. Um, you have like this really like, um, so what I'm looking for, not a motif, no but almost like a plant, everything plants everywhere. Even when they're in the car, there's plants in the self-driving car. So it really kind of creates this serene, um, setting for the movie, um, that like, it just felt nice to be in. Like this was a world that just seemed pleasant, um, just to spend an hour and a half in. Um, and it was a light sci- sci-fi that really didn't like. It's rare to see science fiction movies now that aren't, like, with violence and stuff, action and stuff. So I think it was nice to just have this kind of human story set in a, a light sci-fi um, background. Yeah, I, I agree. I like this movie a lot, especially as it captured the aspect of often in a family, everyone can be trying their best, but be on totally different pages and have conflicts even if no one is really doing the wrong thing. Uh, I enjoyed the near future setting as well, even though I wasn't entirely sure how all of this tech was working, like even in a fictional sense. And like I try yeah. not to pick that apart too much, but this one it like left me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, it's a great look at how we interact with the world, with nature, and also other humans in an age of more immersive technology into our everyday lives and it relates thematically a bit to our other movie, Drive My Car, and that they both kind of deal with the limits of knowing people that we're close to. I don't love this movie like you guys, though it's very, very good. I would recommend it to anyone looking for a cool, pretty relaxing examination of humanity in the, ed- in the age of technology, or at least our current technology. We've always had some new development in technology or any sci-fi fans. Um, if anyone saw the movie Swan Song with Mahershala Ali late last year, very similar vibe to that, and I like that one a lot too. I will say this does do AI much better than Moonfall did. <laughs> I does that need to be said? <laughs> Is water wet? <laughs> I did not fall asleep during this movie, so yes, it did better. Though I don't think this one had any written F-words, so Moonfall beats it in that category. Well, it was rated PG, so I don't think it was allowed oh, any F-words. okay, fair enough. Uh, Tyler, as you mentioned, sort of the nature thing, I think that was one thing Koganata targeted was not just technology in a, you know, Blade Runner, um, you know, kind of all-urban vibe, but an immersion in nature as well as technology and the costumes by Arjun Bazin apparently were made to indicate like this shift away from artificial materials and plastics and more towards sustainability and environmental consciousness and stuff. And apparently there were no plastics used in the costumes at all, which I found very interesting because that's one of those things that you will rarely see rewarded at the Oscars, which is not not that everything, not that the Oscars dictate all that is good in movies it was just a thought that i just had is it's usually the 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 dresses of the 1800s and earlier that are rewarded for costume design but not stuff like this except for this year when dune's gonna win it 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, still pulling for Cyrano on that. Cyrano or Cruella? <laughs> Honest to God, would you wear Tim Chalamet's outfit in that movie in real life? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Do you think that's what costume design is based no, on? No, but I'm just saying, yeah. That was just a question. Uh, Jody Turner Smith as Kyra, the, the woman, the wife, the mother. Absolutely wonderful in this. She's somebody that's trying to calmly exert some sort of order upon her family and also trying to be conscious of everybody's um, everybody's feelings all at once. And I don't know, Colin Farrell just has this odd mode that so many actors don't have where he slips into this understated character thing. But like you get every note of his performance. Saw this in every Yorgos Lanthimos movie that he'd done. Um, this one, you know, is uh, we'll see in the in the new Martin McDonough movie. But I, I've always found him interesting and unique in that sort of way. Yeah, the fact that he can go between this and his performance as the Penguin in the Batman, <laughs> like the guy's got range. I'm a I'm a huge Colin Farrell stan. After the last string of movies I've seen him in. There's still 1% of me that doesn't believe that that was him. I mean, <laughs> it, it could easily not be. <laughs> very, very, what a big risk of a casting choice. But uh, also in the after Yang, we have Justin H. Mean as Yang, who is very both warm and robotic, which is a very tough balance to achieve. But he does it very much almost like uh, Dan Stevens in the movie I'm Your Man from last year. And he he had brought such humanity to this. It was, you know, per- perfect performance for the question of um, can an AI being, I don't want to say achieve, but can an AI being have the same type of sentience as a naturally born human being? And then I just want to mention Malia Emma Chandra Wijaya. I apologize so much um, for saying that name like that. But as Mika, the daughter and sister of Yang, for such a young performance, it was so riveting. Her her mourning, her loss, her her rebelling, acting out. She was very impressive to me. Yeah, I I wholly agree with that. Like I said, those were probably the most moving parts of the movie. At any time that she was on screen, and you know, the way she portrayed the grief and those con- almost childish confusion, innocence to the situation, you know, it just, you know, it was t- very moving. Did you guys have a favorite bit of tech in the movie that you would want to use in real life? I like the video glasses, those are pretty cool. <laughs> okay, yes. fair enough. Yeah, I. I like that as well, especially the looking into somebody else's memory kind of aspect. So we had that. We had the, the like, video call, but, like, facing the camera. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I thought cool. that was the most beautiful photography in the whole movie. Um, and I wasn't sure what it exactly was at first, if they were in the same room or not, but, like, the second time I got it. And I, what is this transportation... What did you guys imagine that to be? I, I imagined it was like a big bubble on wheels, like self-contained. It had like plants yeah. growing in it, and like no one was driving. It was it on a track? I have no idea. They never cut out to show what it was. 
that's kind of what I liked about this movie is that it doesn't waste time explaining the ins and outs of like every bit of sci-fi tech that it has. It just kind of puts it out there, and you gotta you gotta kind of catch up with not catch up. You gotta you you, you can kind of come to your own conclusions and kind of use your mind a little bit for it. Yeah, I mean, I I like that. It just it it had me wondering, which is and also I think it was you know confounding but effective because this was such a contained story yeah and, to, and then it works so much better later when you kind of expand into yang's world yeah like it doesn't w- waste too much time on the small stuff i think just to bring into that and like the contained story i don't think there was like a single establishing shot in this film mm. everything just kind of t- went to that place like mm. that, that that surprised me I think it'd take me some time to get used to that house. I'd be walking out of the wrong door all the time. Yeah, I was confused how that house worked. Yeah, you must be this intelligent to live in this house. <laughs> I've had a very interesting debate in this about we get Colin Farrell's character, Jake, who has a prejudice against clones. And it inspired this this really intriguing debate for me of, well, what is the difference between, well, I know what the difference is, but like, is there a difference between the sentience of an AI and that of a clone? You know, one being a biological um, offspring of another living thing and one being a technologically created thing. I, is that too big of a question? Do you guys have thoughts on that? I thought it was an interesting sort of dynamic that they threw in there i mean we didn't really know that clones were going to be a a play like a faction in this film until yeah it just kind of drops line like oh you know he's he doesn't like clones like wait clones are a thing in this universe too like they just kind of drop it in there and it it's just interesting has an order because... s- oh sorry what i said he has an order 66 slash <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like uh, they just kind of like drop that in there and i mean it, not without getting spoilers yet but it does have a pretty big impact on the latter half of the movie it's just i thought it was an interesting choice to you know set it up the way they did yeah i liked it too because i feel like in either sci-fi or often horror or fantasy or whatever um people usually pick like one element like, this is a movie about vampires and nothing else, or this is a movie about clones and nothing else. Whereas this one mixed and matched, and it, it did seem very organic and natural. Yeah. I don't remember the vampires. I'm in As an example. <laughs> it was Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh off Jockey. Now he's playing a vampire <laughs> after Yang. No, he was great in this. All right, I'm going to ask you guys the big question. Do you think that artificial intelligence, either currently or one day, will have sentience like a human being? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg exists, doesn't he? Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what about Watson? Isn't he artificial intelligence, technically? I don't know. No, I think they have to like feed him information. So I don't think like he can make his own like thoughts and stuff. 
I mean, I could see it happening. I don't know if, like, we're anywhere close or, like, if the world's gonna last long enough for that to happen. Yeah. So I'm not sure. But, I mean, like, many years from now, I could see it being a thing. Do you think that it would even be possible to know? Because I don't know if you could ever know. No, I think by the time we realize it, it's probably gonna be too late to, like, not... Not that they're going to be inherently evil, I suppose, but it'll be too late to to, to reverse it if it, if they did turn out evil, I guess. No, not even evil. I mean, like, like if they have genuine human feelings, could, would that even be possible to oh, know? Regar- regardless of their intentions, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I could see it, for sure. I mean, there's only one way to know. I just go up to every machine... And just say, you're a stupid, incompetent little baby idiot. If they start yeah. crying, I'm like, oh no, it's an AI. <laughs> He's doing that to his cash registers all day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, you guys ready to talk about some scenes from After Yang? I'm well, ready. Now, that, yeah, now that we're after After Yang, for sure. All right, let's be done with that. So we start off here. Spoilers from this point forward for After Yang. Spoiler warning, if you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. Um, We start off with the dance sequence. Hands down, one of the best opening credit sequences I've seen in a very long time. I totally agree. I love that. That that opening scene is... The fact that the movie started off so strong with that opening scene, and then I, I don't think it really quite captured me again after that point, is probably my biggest gripe right off the bat. Hmm. Do you want but, more dancing? I don't know. I just I I. It made it seem like it was going to be a different type of movie. Oh, okay. So it was a bit of a tonal inconsistency. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I thought it set the stage well because. And correct me if I'm wrong, but if this was intentional, I clap for the performance. I felt like Jake, Colin Farrell, was like slightly out of sync with the rest of the family, which I thought very much set the tone for his sort of like departure in the middle of the film. And I watched it a couple of times and it seemed to be that way. And I have a hard time believing that that was accidental could be i did not notice that much no like i didn't notice that he was slightly off would you guys compete in something like this hell yeah no. we gotta have we gotta challenge other podcasts to do this i but like my question is do they have to learn the dances beforehand like how, where are they getting the dances from I don't think all of the families they show just happen to come up with the same. I know, dance, but like, so I'm assuming how it's a pre, how long into the dance did they did they learn, or are they learning a set amount of moves and they call the moves like a square dance? Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, that fair be. enough. Because this was a long dance. It was a long dance, with yeah. and they and levels. they got eliminated early. <laughs> sure. So like, how There's long people. could? How much longer could this have gone on? I imagine it's got to be the same dance, like, straight, and you just learn it by move, and then until you mess up. Mm-hmm. They should have ended the movie with 
a shot of the like the last two families dancing it off that they've actually been dancing for the whole time. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> that would have been really funny. I like that. Would have totally, uh, totally thrown the tone off at that point. But yeah, it was also an excellent way to visually introduce the cast. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, the Royal Tenenbaums has a similar thing, not through dance, but a sort of visual introduction to the cast. So I thought that was good. Also, like the scene where he goes like to the brothers and sisters dealership, and they treat him as crappy as any real life human dealership would do to us now. That was like that was maybe the funniest moment of the movie for me. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, the clones I mentioned, I thought that was very interesting. And then here's what I was not expecting from the movie, and I thought this was a nice kind of plot detail for them to keep hidden is we get this memory uh these memories and it adds this element of mystery because when jake is looking into yang's memories he's seeing this woman who he doesn't know and it opens up this 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 whole you know almost uh detective thing of who is this person what is yang's relationship to them did you guys have any theories when you first saw that or were you just kind of along for the ride oh i mean I, I had thoughts. I, I figured it was like a love, like sort some sort of love interest, or which I mean that's kind of what it turned out to be, or not not necessarily love interest, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, that's kind of that was kind of where my mind went. Um, my, f- oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say my first thought was that it was like a previous sibling of Yang. Mm. Yeah, like Mika. We do get the detail that he wasn't bought from brothers and sisters. He was certified pre-owned, which we all know what that means. Refurbished, yeah. Imagine if cars came like that. You could just watch the memories of like all of like all the stuff that's happened in a used car. I don't want to know. I'd rather not know. Also, a cinematography question. From what angle would you be seeing everything? Would you have, like, full view, cam in the back seat, one from the dashboard? Um, probably from, like, the, the console. Like the... Pointed where? The receiver. Well, like, you know, the, the um, infotainment screen. Oh, like, pointed towards the back? Yeah. Oh, Okay interesting yeah i don't think i want that either <laughs> it'd probably be horribly boring 99 percent of the time and then disgusting the extra one percent of the time only if it's Wee herman's car yeah maybe that's actually what happened with uh carpool karaoke none of that was ever meant to be filmed <laughs> just someone found these memories like, oh, let's put these on tv so we find out that this young woman is Ada, who uh, Yang was dating, so to speak. They never kind of put it a technical term on it, but there seemed to be some sort of uh, mutual enjoyment of each other's Ada. company there. Ada? Was it Ada? It's Ada. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Lamb, aren't I? Well, that's that was going to be my point, is that I was mad this wasn't a crossover, and that was like a clone of, of the oh. Lamb from Lamb, Ada. <laughs> Ada deserved a much better movie. <laughs> Here's one thing, Matt, you and I talked about that was like kind of a red herring from the trailer that really annoyed me. So we get Jake, who's looking back at all the memories of Yang, 
And then we get Kyra, who looks back on a memory where they talk about the afterlife. And we get this interesting moment, which played in the trailer of, he says, can I be honest with you? And she says, is being dishonest an option? And when I saw that in the trailer, I'm like, oh, snap. Like, what's going to go on there? And then he's just <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah. I thought the same. I'm like, wow, what a climactic answer yeah. to that question. And that luckily it's saved by they have this interesting discussion of, you know, Yang being okay if there is sort of like nothingness or no consciousness after life, um, whereas Kyra is hoping that, you know, your your mind lives on. What did you guys make of the overlapping? You know, we have the when either Jenk or Kyra or are looking through the memory glasses, we're getting like them repeating lines in slightly different ways. They'll be blocked slightly different or they'll say it slightly different. You guys have any have any thoughts on that one? What do you think that was? I, I, okay, so I, I figured it was just um, an interesting way to sort of illustrate the difference between how some people remember it versus other people. Yeah, I thought so too. That's exactly what I thought. And it was it was fascinating that you would have to consider that, you know, human memory is a created thing and it is um, artificial. You know, could it be even more artificial than Yang's memory? Because Yang's memory is a direct recording so he would remember things exactly as they happened, whereas yeah. we often remember things, um, you know, similar to how they happened. But maybe we add something in our own minds, or it's not exactly how it went. So, is human memory more artificial than a robot's memory? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. This did feel like something that was left on the Black Mirror cutting room floor. Like the whole movie, or the whole movie. Oh, but like the. Not in a bad way, but more like more like in a in a way that like Black Mirror hasn't been around for so long, so we needed something like this, but with <laughs> less dire uh, consequences. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, then in the end, we get the reveal of Yang's old life, where he had other siblings, where he seemed to have a relationship um, with a woman of some kind, and then taking care of somebody else. And you know, I I thought that was. Such a, a bold statement, not a bold statement, but um, such a beautiful statement on you can never really know everything about somebody. And I, I, I thought they did that wonderfully. They said a relationship with some girl that was supposed to be the clo- the person Ada was cloned from. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Give Ada some respect over here, Mike. Okay. Thank, I feel like no, I feel like that that's up. just an interesting an interesting thing. Like yeah, you're brushing that off. I thought that was kind of an interesting twist. Was that he was originally had a relationship with her great aunt and then found her a clone of right, the woman right. he was yes, yes. loving. Thank, so thank like you, you kind of see up. the ro- like is he human cuz he's remembering this love of his love. Why would that make him human? I'm just saying, like he's 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 not not that he's human, but he's he remembers these feelings that he had for this woman, like because he saw her, and like came up to her and started interacting with her because of his past with the original Ada. 
yeah, it shows sort of uh, rec- recognition, which is, I feel like recognition is more of a, well, no, I guess not necessarily. I was going to say recognition is, is more of a human trait than a robotic trait, but I guess there's forms of recognition in technology already. I mean, our thumbprint not, sign-ins is... I mean, not not to that same degree, though. Like, he, on his own, without receiving any input, you know, called back to her. And started a and bond her. with her clone, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Realms. is that different than him remembering Mika from one day to the next? Well, it'd be like if... He, what happened after Mika is he found someone that was a clone of Mika and then remembered it and then like out yeah. of went out of his way to start right but it's a the relationship same, with that person it's the well, same image well it's his, his mind was erased though between oh, okay good then point. and Mika and also like he started a bond separate from like what he was being told to do I think is the point yeah like, no it was it was a very uh, blurred line definitely then we also have the tea scene where he's kind of lamenting um lamenting that he can't quite grasp why Jake loves tea so much the exact reason so yeah that, that was my go ahead sorry no you go ahead i was going to say that that one right there was probably my favorite scene of the movie outside of the dance number yeah i like that it was that they did a good job of kind of both sides of the argument yeah, you guys have any final thoughts on After Yang? I say definitely check it out. It's definitely worth a watch. It's only an hour and a half. It's not too big of a commitment. And it, it does have a lot more to like than the couple of nitpicks I had with it. Uh, all right. We will be back with our review of Drive My Car after a word from our podcast friends. Has this ever happened to you? You're in bed, drifting off, and suddenly think... Who would win in a tug-of-war match between Superboy and Merlin? Did Marvel ever try to make a long-haul trucker into a superhero? How would it work out if I named my dog after a D-list supervillain? The answers in order are Merlin. Yes. And amazing. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And we host the podcast Ten Cent Takes, a show that looks at weird, silly, and cool moments from comics and how they're woven into the larger fabric of history. Moments like the time Superman shilled for Radio Shack. When Archie got tempted by the devil. Oh, and then there was that time that DC Comics gave a superhero AIDS in an effort to be topical. It's always weird around here, but we'd like to think it's also interesting. So come with us and commit random acts of pop culture archaeology, one issue at a time. If you'd like to learn more, head over to TenCentTakes.com. Okay, we are back with our review of Drive My Car. This is about a theater director who stages a production of Uncle Vanya and navigates various relationships, including one with his new driver. This is directed by Ryuzuke Hamaguchi, written by Hamaguchi and Takamasa Oye, and based on the story Drive My Car by Haruki Murakami, which I guess is no longer than 40 or 50 pages. So interesting that they turned this into... A three-hour movie. This is nominated for four Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best International Feature, and Best Adapted Screenplay. You can watch this on HBO Max for free. I have heard that there have been some issues with the subtitles appearing there, but I believe HBO is aware of the issue and they're working to fix it. Also, just one more thing before we start is that uh, we will be saying a lot of names during this segment that we will probably not 
pronounced correctly, and I just uh, I apologize for that. So we will try our very best. Having said that, Matt, what'd you think of Drive My Car? I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It was probably it's definitely up there with some of my favorites of this past year. Probably would have made my top ten if I had seen it sooner. With all that said, though, I really wish I had gotten a theater experience for this one instead of watching it on HBO, because, truthfully, I kept getting distracted. Some things out of my control, some things were in my control. Like, it's hard for me to not look at my phone when I watch a movie as much as I try to minimize distractions, and I think if you're going to get distracted while you're watching this movie, then probably some things are going to be lost on you. But overall, like, even if you don't get like every word they say, it's still a very enjoyable movie, a compelling story, touching. It hits a lot of themes of like grief and sort of um, just, I, I, I can't really, grief, gr I mean, grief is definitely like the overlying theme and, and like how people, different people deal with it. Uh, there, there are, there's some other stuff, but I can't really go into it too much without starting to spoil the plot, so I won't. Overall, I definitely recommend it. My only hang-up on recommending this is if you're one of those people that that can't get over subtitles. I still suggest you trying to get over them, because it's a fantastic one, much like Parasite. But if you're not comfortable with subtitles, especially a three-hour-long movie with subtitles, then this might not be your vibe. And just people that also are not fans of three-hour movies, because... It, it is a bit of a commitment to get into this one. It does pay rewards, but it is still a big commitment to get into. I ended up having to split it up across a couple sessions of viewing to get the whole thing. Tyler, what'd you think? Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, I think, like you said, Matt, this definitely would have been on my top 10 had we seen it before. Um, now I'm, I, I kind of regret that I saw it this late. An incredibly moving, like, uh, meditation on, like you said, grief. I also think it's on regrets of, like, what like um, um, uh, what you kind of wish you could have done back when you have people and then you lose them and then you're thinking back on, like, well, I should have done this, what should I have done differently, all that. Um, and it's also even on, like, just finding, like, trying to figure out, like, what you know about people that you know. Like, can you ever fully know, like, who a person is um, dives into that. And it's it, for a three-hour-long movie. I think you just get really, really immersed in it. Um, uh, you you feel for the, you get these characters that are all really interesting. Um, you connect with them, uh, like the driver specifically and Yasuke. Is that am I saying that right? I think so. Yeah. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, you just kind of see uh, him kind of progress with how he's dealing with the sudden loss of. A loved one um i don't want to get too much into spoilers now but um i really enjoyed it and i'd recommend it to mostly everyone if you can deal with three hours of reading subtitles absolutely deal uh, watch this yeah i thought this was even more than a watch this is a really beautiful experience uh you know you feel as though you're living with these characters in this very serene but very conflicted world it does require a lot of patience. As mentioned, it's it's three hours of a lot of conversations. And it's one of those movies that does feel very long, but I was never bored. 
during this, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There are a lot of a lot of moving scenes in here. A couple of knockouts, and as we mentioned, you know, the impossibility of knowing someone fully. A certain ambivalence towards the experience of life. It reminded me very much of Wild Strawberries, the Ingmar Bergman film. The things that make this so watchable are the writing, which is excellent. This is a really fascinating adaptation. And the performances. You want to know more about these people and spend more time around them. I wouldn't recommend this to the movie the watcher that just wants fun for two hours. Um, but chances are, if you're listening to this and you're willing and looking for an excellent movie with plenty of food for thought, please support this one. It is there for you on HBO and other platforms. I just want to point out a couple of the performances here. Uh, Hidetoshi Nishijima as Yusuke Kafuku. Um, the man just carries so much the entire time. This movie changes so many times, and he carried each section so well. Uh, Tokomura as Misaki is has to do this slow reveal of character over a very long time until she is just taking up the whole frame and you're just you're so bought into her so i thought those two were just absolutely dynamite couldn't agree more uh same as other we get reika kirishima as oto who um well, we, we'll, we'll talk about her later i don't want to give too much away uh masaki okada as koji um very interesting complicated figure role and a, a man who i just found to be a delight jin dae young as gong yuna uh he, he was just a, a pl- very pleasant fellow uh, he plays like the assistant uh to kafuku and i enjoyed every single second that he was on screen that probably just sounded terrible for those that last minute there of just uh saying things incorrectly so sorry again for that <laughs> Uh, Tyler, as you mentioned off-air, this was originally supposed to be set in Busan, South Korea, uh, but had to move to Hiroshima due to COVID, which I, I'm i curious if there had to be a rewrite of the script or what story details needed to be changed or if it was largely the same thing except for shooting locations. Um, but, you know, I'd love to step into the alternate universe where they had, had got to set the film there. Well, I think with a lot of the multilingual aspects of at least the production, I um I think it probably wasn't they probably didn't really didn't have to change that much with the diff- besides the location. I mean, a lot of the themes and a lot of the people's language probably wouldn't have changed. Yeah, I just you know I never know if it it may have having to change locations may have sparked some new idea in, in Hamaguchi and Oye. Um, but, you know, maybe there's something like that out there. You mentioned the language, the languages, you know, we're getting Korean, Japanese, Korean sign language, English, all these different ones. So like beautifully orchestrated within single scenes. I was so impressed with that. I'll ask you guys, did you feel the runtime at all? I, I don't think I did because I didn't watch it in a single session. Oh, I did. I I agree. Um from like like Matt, I I had it break broken up in several sessions, but there were parts where like I mean, I wasn't like I didn't think it was bad or I was bored like you said, Mike, but it it felt like it was going for a while. Yeah. 
some of the sequences with a lot of the um, rehearsals, the rehearsals for the play kind of, I felt like those dragged a little bit. Hmm. No, yeah, maybe not. Well, maybe not dragged. I, I don't. I don't think dragged is quite the right word. But they, I felt like they were went on a little long to a point where I know that is a I noticed. I found little things in that so interesting, like the way they were demarcating the ends of their lines, um, all having to speak in different languages. I'm like, wow, that's just a really uh, ingenious idea. So I I liked it. Yeah, I also liked how like they were just kind of adding emotion to the lines, even though they weren't required to, just cause, just because. And like he's like, you don't have to do this. Like I want you to just read it. Thought that was interesting. But I just wanted to say of the runtime, this isn't a movie you're gonna watch and be like, "Wow, that was three hours." I'm shocked. Like you'll <laughs> feel you'll feel it, but it not in a bad way. Apparently, that is something that Hamaguchi does with his actors. Is he has them just read the text without trying to really act at first. Um, so fun little detail um, to throw in there in the movie. Usually, I like to have a few more questions or talk a little more before we get into spoilers, but I don't really want to give that much away without giving the spoiler warning first. So what do you guys say we, we move into some plot details? Spoiler warning. If you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. This is also kind of movie that's separated into chapters, though not in the same way. It's there's no like official chapter titles like there are in like the worst person in the world or anything like that. But part one sets us up so well. We have Kafuku and his wife Otto, and she tells stories after they have sex, and you know it's it's almost like this meta thing where you're becoming as interested in the stories that she's telling, like her screenplay ideas as you are as to what is actually happening in Drive My Car. So like to tell these two captivating stories at the same time, I, I thought that, that was really, really cool. Later on, we have Kafuku coming back home and he sees that Otto is having an affair, right? Later on, he admits that he thinks that if she knew, that would ruin everything because in so in 99% of other movies it would have played like this she would have walked in or he would have walked in on her the couple would have seen him they would have gone <gasps> and then he would have went on a vacation to Aruba to get his mojo back you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah so when he just walks right back out that was uh such a a choice that they developed so well over the rest of the film you know he later says that he, he thinks that if she had known that he knew about her multiple affairs, not just this one that he is witnessing, uh, that would ruin everything between them. So it's, you know, the, the love that they have together is uh, worth the pain of, of her stepping out of the marriage. I want to ask you guys a personal question. Do you think it's, I don't know, do you think that that kind of thing is healthy? Do you think it's okay for people to have that sort of arrangement i know it's a personal choice but i guess i'm i'm asking you guys personally i mean as long as all parties are consenting i don't see a problem with it 
I'd say it'd be based on the people, yeah. Like, I don't know if that's what you're into, sure. If you're kind of hiding it in one nose, well, like, in this case, even if they didn't know, I mean, that's dangerous. So in this scenario, I don't think it's good because she thinks he doesn't even know about it. Well, I guess it. that's what I'm asking is not just, like, the open marriage thing. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's an individual choice, and it's all fine if people like that. But, like, the the deceit on both their parts but that it like kind of keeps them in equilibrium which is not a justification but um it was it was very complicated hmm. i'm i mean i think there's a danger that if you think as soon as it's revealed what's happening everything's gonna end then i think that there's something unhealthy there yeah true if you're that worried about it ending that you're not gonna call out this this toxic behavior then yeah it, there's probably some other factors going into it mm, yeah and this connected beautifully to a scene much later in the film where later in the film where we have misaki talking about well maybe alto wasn't as complicated as she seemed Maybe she had a love for you that was deeper and stronger, but also there was a part of her that sought out these other affairs, which I I thought was a nice simplification of an issue that, you know, um, we usually rack our brains and don't really know what to think about. The last night that Oto is alive and she tells uh, Yusuke that she has to tell him something when he comes home. First of all, people stop doing this. Don't, like, put that seed in somebody's head all day long. Oh, we need to talk. Come on. You know the person's going to be... Unless she meant to do that. But what do you guys think that she was going to tell him? I mean, I don't think she meant to set, set him up like that and then go and die. No, but what do you think she was going to tell him? <laughs> um, I don't know. It could go either way. I mean... Depends on I mean, if she... I mean, I'm not. I'm also not convinced that they didn't that she didn't see him walk in on them. Oh, okay, interesting. I mean, they didn't obviously didn't explicitly show one way or the other. But I don't know. Maybe that's just one. That's just one theory. Hmm. I had. So I, in my opinion, I think they purpose purposely left it like that to to say that like maybe in the end when he realizes maybe it wasn't even that big of a thing she was telling him. Like she, he thinks she, she was gonna drop this bombshell on him, so that's why he stayed away. And then he kind of comes to the realization that maybe it wasn't as complicated, and maybe it was just something kind of mundane that wasn't that urgent. Mm -hmm. That was just something she was just saying, like, "Hey, we need to talk about something when you get back." Like, and he took it to be like, "Oh, this is gonna destroy everything, so I'm just gonna hold off on this and wait." Mm. And then that led to what ultimately happened. But I, I feel like that's what that was kind of. That's the interpretation I got. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. Um, she dies. He has a performance as he is performing on stage. And then we kind of get this this shift, this part two, this two years later where he has a residency in Hiroshima. He's supposed to direct uh, the Chekhov play Uncle Vanya. And I, I love this, this. He casts Koji, who we're not sure, at least at first... Um, but we're introduced to Koji earlier when Oto introduces him to Yusuke, and it's 
it's implied that they're having an affair, but it's not entirely um, entirely definite. So I was very intrigued when he he cast him as Vanya in the play, and I also thought he was an interesting character because um, he very much lacked self control, as Yusuke say. And we get this this nice foreshadowing earlier when a guy takes a picture of him in a bar because he's a celebrity, and he almost assaults that guy. I, I I fully interpreted it as Koji was the person that she was having an affair with from the get go. Yeah, I think you were meant. I think we were led down that road. So I, I definitely agree with that. But it's funny how they kind of like right at the end they kind of made it and like oh maybe it wasn't him. Well, I don't because we have that bar scene where he's like admitting that he was in love with her. And that he's jealous of Yusuke because he could never know her as well as he did. And then we get, uh, maybe that leads us into this absolute knockout, knockout scene yeah. in, in the car with the two of them in the back. And starts off with Yusuke telling about how Oto came up with her stories about, you know, after uh, post-coital, she would come up with these ideas and also her affairs. And he knew about it. Um, and then Koji finishes the story from earlier about the girl sneaking into the house and he gets very emotional and talks about how, you know, maybe the best hope you have is to only know yourself or know your own heart through other people. Uh, tough pill to swallow, but it was delivered so beautifully. So, I mean, one thing that I kind of thought of too later on when we find out that he actually killed the guy that took the picture. Do you think that the end, the way he um, told the ending of that story, do you think that was like a sort of subtle way of him sort of admitting like he killed the guy ahead of time before they do the action before the cops came Hmm. when he's like, I killed him. I killed him. I killed him. That's a very interesting question. Like almost like the the girl sneaking into the house was really like that whole story was like a metaphor almost of or would would that be a metaphor for like the the affairs she was having? Yeah, it like could her be. Low key admitting the affairs, but through with like a filter of the story. I think that's an excellent reading of the subtext there. I, yeah, yeah. I think. I think that goes into what the driver um, says too. What's her name? I'm sorry. Can't uh, that in my head. What? Uh, Misaki. 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 Yeah, what she says, like, I don't think he was lying. Like, he may not, like, that may not have been what happened, but, like, I don't think he was lying. So maybe that wasn't even what, like, her, the story was. Maybe that was just him saying, like, his truth of, like, yeah, I killed him, I killed him. So that that that's really interesting, actually. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I, I love that point. Um, definitely, I just I. I'm curious now as to where that rage came from with within him, um, and I, I don't know. It's maybe we don't get enough of his history, or maybe I'm not reading well enough into it. But it was very very fascinating. Uh, and then we have another knockout scene where. Yusuke needs to make the choice of whether or not he need, he's going to play Vanya now that Koji has been arrested for for murder. So they go to Hokkaido 
which is Misaki's hometown. And she admits, one, that the mudslide that her mother died in, that she didn't, she could have saved her and did not. But then also tells this strange, this very strange story about her mother's alter ego, who was like a child, but those were the best times they ever had together when her mother would slip into that, that childlike persona. And I also thought it nicely paralleled um, the relationship between Yusuke and Oto because it plays to this theme of often in life you can't you can't rely on um, reaping the rewards of the things that you plan. That was probably too wordy, but you can't you can't rely on the the rewards that you plan for. Sometimes you have to grab what's right there in front of you. You, can, you have to grab what you can get sometimes at least as far as uh as interpersonal relationships you know people aren't going to behave and react in the way that you want them to so when you get an intimate moment sometimes you have to just grab it yeah i also similarly kind of took it like you can't have the good of this without the bad of it like you know like you can't have that personality that you like with her with without the um one like the the regular personality that beats you um, and like he can't have his wife who he loves without like the side that is having an affair with him and like almost like people don't exist like you said Mike like they're not perfect you gotta just take like you gotta take the good and also the bad at the same time it's not gonna exist one or the other um, which is like how she's like I knew like even the personality I liked was in that house and I didn't do anything to stop it yeah I mean which is not a Definitely, if you're in a toxic relationship, please get out of it. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, hundred percent. But yeah, I think I think you're you're definitely right, and um, that scene really got me, and I was thinking about it for days afterward. But in the end, we have Misaki. It's we. It's very much some puzzle pieces that are left blank, and maybe I just missed something. Um, I only got to watch this once, but Misaki now has the sob. The you know the faded car the titular car, you guys have any ideas what like happened in the intervening time between the Uncle Vanya production and her with the sob? See that that um, I was I was very distracted in the last like ten minutes of the movie because of stuff, so like I I was afraid I I seriously thought I missed something there for a second, but I had but I realized that I just didn't they 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 purposefully left that out. Yeah, nothing that the I context. But um, I thought it was. Oh, I thought you were done. Go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say. Uh, I mean, I feel like he can't drive, so he probably just gave her the sob as like a token of, I guess, like appreciation or. I, I'm not sure exactly. I don't even know if he's still alive at this point. I mean, it's it shows them all in masks so it's post pandemic presumably so who knows maybe he died of covid i don't know hmm i don't know i'm just going to spitball i guess but she did say that driving is the one thing that she is good at that she can do earlier on and also you know a car is a car is independence you know and she has been led her whole life in order to do things um her life has always been dictated by other people, so maybe showing her alone 
with the car is sort of an opening up of her life to her, you know, sort of being the author of her own existence now. I, I'm going to be honest. I cheated here and looked looked up the ending. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I just searched the synopsis on Wikipedia to see if they mentioned anything that I missed because I thought I missed something too. Uh, apparently, she's in Korea now. Yeah. So I, I didn't realize that. I didn't get that from the thing. No. But um, so I just took it to like he he gave her the car like to be like hey get like get out of here like he got what he wanted of like being able to perform now uh, moving on and she needed to move on so he gave her the car to be like you can go and like leave this place and move on with your life that's how I took it yeah that I had to look it up too like I said because I I legitimately thought I missed something but but yeah I think it's definitely a symbol of. I agree that it does seem like almost like a symbol of independence for her. Yeah. Well, please definitely go check out Drive My Car. You guys have any final thoughts? I think we laid it out pretty good on this one. I I, I definitely highly recommend it. Yeah, same. Very touching story. Um, absolutely check it out. Uh, well, then just the final question of what Oscar is this most likely to win? Matt, I'll let you have that. <laughs> so this is one that I, I know I'm I know I've got to get this one. Um, at the very least, best international feature. It has to. It, it has to. Mm-hmm. I've I, granted I haven't seen the other ones, but it has to. I don't care. I'm all in on. I mean, oh, I'm all in on this. I, I'm just gonna. Say, oh, sorry. I, I have I haven't seen any of the other international ones either. But if it's being nominated for both best picture. And best international, none of the other ones are. I'm assuming it's the best of these international. That's a good point. But do you think? Do we think that it's gonna pull a parasite and get both? I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna win best picture personally. Well, it's not beating Coda, so. No, it's best it's... picture, future best picture winner Coda. Oh, these so lame. Ugh, gross. <laughs> oh, come on. No, imagine if Dune won. <laughs> oh god. Ugh. No. Um, yeah, I, I don't think best picture. I don't think best director. Um international feature, I would say most definitely. It's it's interesting now when more and more often the international frontrunner is being uh nominated for best picture, so is it is it always going to line up, or is there ever going to be a splitting of like, well, this is nominated for Best Picture, so I think I'm going to put my vote towards another international feature. We're probably not there yet, and it's probably going to most likely going to win international feature, but I, I always find that to be an interesting, interesting kind of complication. And the best adapted screenplay, probably not. It's going up against Coda, Power of the Dog. Uh, Pretty loaded category. However, I thought this was a wonderful adaptation from... I haven't read the original story, unfortunately, but from what I understand of it, this was a beautiful recreation. Well, yeah, to take a 40 or 50 page short story and flesh it out into a three hour movie that works and makes makes it work for this, like this one does, then yeah, yeah that's impressive. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Well, if you guys like Drive My Car, if you like After Yang, anything else you want to tell us, please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. 
If you like the show, please and really help us a lot by telling a friend, rating and reviewing on your various favorite podcast apps. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod and our Facebook Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at Maddie X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Sweet. Tyler. Find me at Tyler Sutkus, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can find me Tyler96 on Letterboxd. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at M Gallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Here's to the ones who listened to the very end. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Take care. See ya. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.